You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe. John Tabor doing an excellent job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. And on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline, a good buddy of ours. He's certainly been around or has been in some different locations, that being Jarrett Rozier. Jarrett, how you doing this morning, bud? Hey, man. I'm doing well. How are y'all? It's hard to keep track of you, man. We obviously <laughs> remember you back when you worked for the News Star. Then you went down south and did a lot of different things. Of course, following LSU and did an incredible job covering high school athletics down there. What have you been up to now, man? And are you back into this gig full-time or what? No, I mean, all right, so when I left NOLA.com a couple of years ago, um, it was for a job that kind of fell in my lap. It's, it's certainly not anything I would have even thought to be looking for, where um, I work for a company that partners with universities to recruit more international students and work with them as as they get used to, uh, you know, the new university, the, the country, and everything. And so... Um, Part of that, though, was them giving me the flexibility to stay involved with the sports world on the side, and they've been really good about that. And the newest venture in that regard is Jim Smith, Sam Spiegelman, and I launched TigerDetails.com on the Rivals Network uh, last Wednesday morning, 12.01, August 1st. And so I'm getting back that much more involved um, in sports journalism, uh, at least with regards to being with, with one outlet more than I have in the last few years, but still, as we kind of figured out what what our roles would all be, um, I wanted to stay involved with what I was doing with these international students as well. So right now I'm just kind of um, – the juggling act that I've been doing for the last couple of years is, is just kind of reaching a, a new level, I guess. So you get to eat your cake and have your cake and eat it too. Pretty good deal. It, yeah, it's, I've been really fortunate with the way um, – with the way it's, it's worked out for me and, and how well people on each, each side of, of my life have, uh, has handled it and, and enabled me to do that sort of thing. Jared, obviously you saw a base, uh, the, uh, something maybe perhaps wasn't being covered. So why did you guys come up with TigersDetail.com and what can that provide to uh, fans out there? Yeah, well, it's something, um, you know, rivals and and Jimmy had been in contact, and uh, I was, I guess, Jimmy's first call when he started to try and gauge, was I willing to make that full-time jump? And we kind of went back and forth on that a little while, and then when Sam became available because of uh, SEC country, unfortunately, folding in June, and we were able to look at it as a three-man team, we got really excited about the, I guess, the, the type of content that we could bring to this market, particularly we're looking right now at, at an LSU beat that, at least from a, a print and a writing type standpoint, there is a lot of shift with, with Ross leaving the advocate and um, some other moves that have made SEC country and what happened there. And the three of us, we feel like, have pretty good connections in, in the LSU world and 
certainly in the recruiting world and, and have done a lot of good work over the years. And we were familiar with one another originally from all working at NOLA.com together. And we thought that we could bring a lot of good content to LSU fans, both in terms of quick, reliable information uh, as, as news pops up, as well as just because of some of the relationships and some really good in-depth features um, and because of some of the, I guess, creative energy that we see amongst ourselves, just kind of some different different looks at things or different formats in in looking at things. And so we, I mean, we started right off the bat with a Trey Palmer commitment video was the first piece of content that we posted. And, and actually, a couple months ago, Jimmy and I were heavily involved in the, the Derek Stingley commitment video uh, before we had a website to put it on. Um, so we tried to do a couple things really early to, to give fans an example of, of some of the quality of content we can put out. Um, when Coy Moore committed to USC on Monday night, that was something that, that Coy, Coy's family and I had been working on a big 900,000-word feature over the last few days. And so uh, when he was ready to, to make that announcement, everyone else was kind of scrambling to put together four or five sentences just saying he committed on Twitter, and we've got this 900-word feature on what – his relationship with Joe McKnight was like and how they worked out together when Coy was just eight years old and some of the other aspects of that, that decision. Jarrett, for a guy that was working for a traditional media outlet, what's it like or is it, is it changed now with a non-traditional news organization? Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the biggest learning curves for me. Jimmy, Sam, and I talk about how there are areas for growth for each of us Jimmy has always been a great source of recruiting information in particular, but just information in general, but doesn't see himself necessarily as a writer because that's not his background. And so he's looking forward to continuing to grow that, that portion, become a better writer, maybe get some, some longer features and things in. And for me, I've never worked with a, a message board per se, and I've never had this paywall. Um, and so I'm trying to kind of figure out, some of that that format and and what to put certain things at certain times and how to how to uh, I guess frame it from that aspect and I mean certainly I can still grow a lot as a writer and a reporter and, and all those things that I think we all can uh, it's it's always a process but for me that's kind of the biggest challenge is just getting used to that that different style that different kind of lay of the land. All right, Jay, let's get in some news and notes and your observations with LSU. Uh, how's this quarterback situation, this battle, going to play out? Million-dollar question. I, yeah, I mean, that's that's the one that I feel pretty confident I'm going to get asked um, anytime I talk to anyone about the football team. And I really, since Joe Burrow announced in May that he was going to go to LSU and not to Cincinnati, my mindset has been that Joe Burrow would be the guy. I, I don't take it for granted, though. I think some of the things that Justin McMillan has shown as he's progressed in his career at LSU and he's been around that program for as long as he has, um, I think he's going to make it difficult at times for, for Joe Burrow to just seize that role. And so I'm interested to see how this next week to week and a half play out. They have a scrimmage, the first scrimmage of the fall on Saturday. And I think which quarterback is running primarily with the ones in that scrimmage and how those two guys perform there could be a really uh, a telling factor, I guess, or a telling uh, telling moment 
even with a few more weeks left in in the fall camp and in competition, all that. Um, I, I think Joe Burrow is the guy that I expect to be there even against Miami and certainly as the season progresses. But uh, you got to keep an eye on, on Justin McMillan, make it really difficult for him. Hmm. Should we be more concerned about the battle in the backfield to be the starting running back? I honestly, I'm really interested to see what happens up front with that offensive line, particularly with Ed Ingram's suspension. The the backfield, I think we're going to see a few of those guys involved, regardless of who is kind of the lead guy. And I look at Clyde Edwards-Elair as as the lead guy, and they they really like what they've gotten him. Um, and for that matter, the entire uh, stable of running backs. It's it's a weird situation for LSU fans to deal with because they haven't returned this little rushing yardage production from a previous year in more than a decade and so it makes you a little bit nervous when you don't have Darius guys to fill in for Leonard Fournette now in the NFL or, or Leonard Fournette to fill in when some of those guys before him left and it's been such a strong lineage of so many guys involved that you're always returning somebody that rushed for for at least 300 or 400 yards, if not more. And they don't have that this year, but they do really like what Clyde brings to the table. He's just going to be a little bit of a different back than what LSU fans have seen because he's a little bit smaller. Tough as hell, though, for his size at 5'8". He's a little a little bowling ball, I call him all the time. But he's not going to carry the ball 30 times a game. And so you'll see Nick Brosette, the senior, get involved. He's looking as, as good as he's maybe looked at his entire career, as well as Chris Curry, uh, the true freshman, is is another guy that I expect certainly all three of those to be involved almost week in, week out, um, and potentially even beyond that. So they feel good about that position. It's just uh, we haven't seen it on Saturdays yet. Jarrett, the wide receiver position has gotten a lot of hype this offseason. When you go to camp and you watch guys like Jamar Chase, I want to talk about Jamar Chase specifically because he's been getting a lot of love these past couple of weeks. What can fans expect out of him when they see him this fall? Yeah, Jamar is going to be a guy that pushes for immediate playing time. He's going to he's going to be a guy that's, that's really trying to fight to get into that lineup day one. And a lot of that is he's incredibly physically gifted. He's a good size. Coach O raised about the size of his hands and uh, the catching ability as a result a couple of days ago. But he's really polished for a true freshman, which I think is part of why we're hearing so much about him right now. And, I mean, just like I was saying before, you, you're you always looking to grow. He's not by any means a finished product and ready to uh, to be that um, that NFL guy or anything right now. But as far as, uh, I mean, a starting out college receiver, his route running and focus, attention to detail and all of that is is pretty impressive. And so that's why you'll see him – battle his way into some early playing time, if not a very quick starting role, despite the fact that they have a lot of talented guys in that receiving core. And I, I think similar to what we were saying with the running backs, that we're going to see several of them uh, in play. And Jonathan Giles, the, the veteran transfer from Texas Tech, was saying this weekend uh, as, as the players had their first media availability to expect some four and five wide receiver sets. Um and, and so that'll be an opportunity right there to get four or five of those guys on the field at once. But even in the two and threes, uh, the two and three receiver sets, you're going to probably see uh, a decent bit of rotation because I, I don't know that they have right now 
a one guy that they look at as this is this is our guy, no one else is close, but they have a lot of really good guys that can do a lot of different things. Jared, uh, a lot of recruiting news over the course of the last couple of months as uh, LSU has racked it up. Who's the next big domino that needs to fall in their favor? I mean, in terms of timeline, there's there's been so much attention on Devontae Lee, the predominantly wide receiver for A-Meet, but an athlete at A-Meet, um, a guy that's really close with Trey Palmer, and there was a lot of speculation that, that he might have made a decision by now because um, it looked like he was going to make one before the season started at one point. Uh, he, is a, he is certainly one of the top names on LSU's board right now that they continue to push for. Um, Noah Kane, also worth mentioning, the, the running back from IMG, originally from Louisiana and then Texas and IMG Academy. When, when John Emery, the Destrahan running back, committed to Georgia, that kind of upped the pressure for LSU to get, uh, to get Noah on board because they always wanted Tyron Davis from Southern Lab and then one of those other two guys, and, and with one looking pretty locked into Georgia, not that LSU's giving up on him, it makes the, the pressure to get the other uh, that much bigger. So those are, those are two guys to watch that, that appear as, as likely to end up in purple and gold as, as anyone, and, and LSU is, is really hard after. Jarrett, covering uh, Coach O compared to Coach Miles, what's the difference? Uh, the accent, I guess, is is the first thing. I, I don't know. They they both kind of are big personalities. It's, it's been interesting the last, I don't know, decade now uh, to be around two coaches that can be as animated as as those two guys can be. So it's it's uh, a little bit more fun than it, than it might be covering uh, this time of year for Alabama, so to speak, um, just as an example. But that's, I, I don't know. Um, the program, there's a lot of similarities in the way it's run. Uh, that when I walk into to uh, in a, a media availability type day, that it it doesn't feel that dissimilar from when when I walked in as as a student reporter for the Daily Reveille several years ago. Um, yeah, that's I, I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of tough because it it does just. It feels so similar in a lot of ways to um, to when I was getting started. Uh, Jared, on both sides of the ball in the trenches, you've got, as you mentioned, Ed Ingram missing uh, fall camp, and then on the other side, you got Ed Alexander uh, coming back along slowly after a minor injury. If both guys were to miss uh, the opening game against Miami, which do you think is the bigger impact? Um. That's a re- that's another really good question because both of those spots concern me. Um, I I I think that I would I would feel better about the guys if you would ask me to say a week ago before we knew Ed Ingram was was going to be out I would say. I like some of the other guys on the defensive line. I think that they can get by a little bit better without Ed Alexander. And, and Ed Ingram is looking at maybe being the biggest uh, NFL-level talent on that offensive line, that, that that would be such a big hit, particularly with some of the other question marks 
coming into fall camp on the offensive line. But I, I wonder if with the way it's kind of shaking out and just the, the way the circumstances are around those two spots now, with the amount of time that the offensive line has to prepare for knowing it doesn't look like Ed Ingram's coming back anytime soon, whereas there's still that kind of level of uncertainty for Ed Alexander more so to me right now than Ed Ingram based on the way they talk about his situation, that at least that O-line is getting they, – they know what they're dealing with now on August 7th or August 8th now, um, whereas the D-line is, is still a little bit um, – it's still a little bit of a question mark of, of is he going to be there, how, how healthy is he going to be, and, and how to work that rotation. Uh, Jarrett, congratulations on the new endeavor. For listeners out there, how can they get signed up and, of course, follow you guys? Yeah, just go to tigerdetails.com, and, I mean, you'll be able to sign up pretty easily on there. And, as always, you can follow me on Twitter, just Jarrett Roser, J-E-R-I-T-R-O-S-E-R, uh, or Jimmy Jimmy Smith and Sam Spiegelman, Jimmy Detail on Twitter and Sam Spiegs on Twitter. Um, and we certainly appreciate all the support we've gotten so far. appreciate you guys. Jared, you don't go with the sweater vest in August, do you? you wait no, I, no, I'm trying to figure out uh, with this, this job that I've actually got to go into in, in office for in the mornings and everything, how can I wear shorts here as many days as possible until it cools down a little bit? Because I, uh, I like to be as, as comfortable as possible uh, until sweater vest season arrives. <laughs> Jarrett, as always, man, it's good to hear from you again. Love to hear from you here in a few weeks as uh, LSU football gets this thing kicked off against Miami. Appreciate it, bud. Appreciate you guys. Sounds good. Jarrett Rozier from TigersDetails.com. Yeah, uh, brand new site. So good for them. Yeah. And Sam Spiegelman, we had him on. Pretty good crew they had there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of guys that have been around. Ross Dellinger, another story on LSU for Sports Illustrated. I saw <laughs> the training. Uh, <laughs> training staff yeah Yeah. when's he going to alabama uh soon man soon let's take a time out coming up next our high school previews continue the new head coach at carroll the tank up next on the morning drive welcome back to the show our high school football previews continue to roll along a number of new coaches in northeast louisiana new coaches but familiar faces one of them being out at carroll alex washington the tank and he does join us on the darren moody state farm hotline Coach, how you doing this morning, bud? I'm doing fine. How about y'all? Good. A couple days into it, and we were there the first day of practice for KNOE, and, of course, kind of laying down the law, you know, trying to bring some more discipline to that program. How's it going through the first couple days? Uh, so far, it, it went well. The kids responding to what we're trying to do. Uh, they're out there flying around, so we're excited about it. Being your first year, uh, what are some of the challenges that uh, you have right out of the gate? Uh, coming in, we're just trying to change the culture here at Carroll High School. You know, working on discipline, trying to get lined up right, and competing hard. You said uh, trying to get lined up right. Uh, I, I talked with you over the summer. You felt like that was kind of the issue last year. I mean, you look at Carroll on paper, you've got a ton of athletes over there. And you were competing with the upper echelon in the district. I mean, the Sterlington game, I think you can go back to very competitive game. Do you feel like y'all are on the cuffs of winning the, the district title, just looking at how y'all competed with, with teams like Sterlington last year? Well, I feel like, uh, you know, if we can play fundamental football, uh, we can compete with anybody in our district. So, you know, that's what we're in the process of trying to be able to be consistent, 
you know, lining up right, playing hard, and playing fast. You certainly want to give kids a fresh start. How much time did you spend going through last year's season and kind of breaking down their year, and then well, you were there, but then, of course, also trying to figure out uh, what new kids could make an impact for this team? Uh, pretty much all summer. We've been watching film on last year, you know, trying to figure out what we can get better at. Uh, and the kids over the summer uh, in the weight room, the kids have done a tremendous effort uh, as far as getting strong. So right now we're just trying to put it all together. Do you feel like you are almost been in a time machine? Does it feel like it was a decade ago that you were on those practice fields trying to make a name for yourself? Uh, being out there, it seemed like it was yesterday. You know, I was wearing the blue and gold, and now I'm out here coaching the boys. Your style, uh, who did you uh, get most of it from? Was it back uh, in your high school days or was it when it went off to Ole Miss? Who had a huge influence in your coaching style? I've taken a little bit some of everybody I've been around. I've been around some great guys, Houston Nutt, Ed Orgeron, Frank Wilson, uh, Darrell Williams over in North Carolina, Brad, Brad Sean Bastrop. So, you know, I've been around a lot of guys, and I try to take some from each one of them. Your staff, uh, have there been some changes on it? Yeah, for sure. We, we've got some new guys in. Uh, my main thing, I wanted to get some quality guys around the kids. Um, I got I got a couple first-year coaches, but we're going to be fine there. You're making the transition as new head coach. How much does it help when you've got a guy like Cedric Woods returning at quarterback who has been in there and, and done that, and this is his third year with the program. He started since he was a freshman. How much does that help with your transition? Uh, with his leadership ability that he's shown so far, you know, he's kind of helping, you know, with getting offense going. Uh, you know, Seth Woods is going to be a guy we're going to depend on heavily this year. So with his leadership ability, you know, I think he can get the job done. Defensive side of the ball, who are some of the players that we can look for this year? Uh, we're going to have uh, Tredavion Arrington. Uh, we have Jackie Wallace back. Uh, we got Jakari Hamilton will be on the defensive line. So we got we got a lot of guys coming back that played ball last year. Uh, we just got to, you know, get, get back to the fundamentals. I'm always curious, when a new coach takes over, what has the community response been like for you when you're out and about? Um, you know, I think they're excited, uh, you know, to get some new blood in here, some Carol blood. Um, I think the community is behind me 100%. I know that I don't have to tell you the rivalry between Carroll and Wasman, and of course it's, uh, it takes it up an entire whole notch uh, this summer. What do you think that's going to be like in the bayou, uh, in the jam, the jamboree that you guys are going to have then later on when you score after in the regular season? That's always been a good a good game for both of the communities. So I'm sure you know both communities are going to be behind their teams, and it's going to be a great atmosphere. Coach Washington, we certainly appreciate the time. We'll see uh, Carroll very very soon. Thanks, bud. Yeah, so y'all take care too. New head coach of the Bulldogs. Yeah. Ouch. Tank Washington. Wasman versus Carroll. He's a couple more weeks. Can't wait. Can't wait to see those two square off in the Jamboree, which should be um, provide many storylines. Uh, I was out at West Monroe practice uh, this morning. I kind of like the early morning kind of deal like mm-hmm. that. Get it out of the way. They've got teacher in service this week, so that is the reason why they're going early. I believe uh, next week, then they'll make the shift back to the afternoons. Yeah, but beat the heat, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, you avoid the uh, afternoon thunderstorms. I was out at Neville's practice uh, yesterday, and they certainly had a little bit of a delay because of a lightning. You look at uh, Neville, uh, defensive front, they certainly look intimidating, certainly look good. You look at the transfer from West Monroe, uh, Hunter, 
He should certainly play a big role. And then, of course, offensively, what will they look like under center in the battle that continues to go on there? That's the biggest question mark for Neville, I think, entering this season. I think offensive line-wise, they're going to be really good up there. They're going to they're going to be better than they were a year ago on the offensive line. Now, who's going to be distributing the football? Jordan Thomas has experience. Last year he shared uh, reps with Peyton Batterford. Now you've got Andrew Brister coming in, uh, the son of a local legend, Bubby Brister. Yeah. So a lot of expectations on his shoulders. But he has to go out and he has to beat Jordan Thomas for the job. Yeah. We look back and everybody says, "Oh, what a horrible year for Neville." I was, you know, I just wrote about that. I'm, I'm doing my previews, and I, I was writing, "Who else could could go to the quarterfinals? Could go to the quarterfinals, have the year that they had, yeah. and people still view it as such a failure? Yeah. Like just uh, eight and four. I mean, my gracious." I remember talking to several coaches last year, and they're like, don't sleep on Neville. It's just the fact that Neville, for the, that run, three, four, five, six years, they were literally at such a different level than everybody else. They had just fallen back, but they were well, still as good, if not better, than all those others. They lost so much, yeah. and it was crazy. Um, you know, another thing, too, that – and talk with Mickey McCarty. He wanted to – he wants to improve his completion percentage this year. He said that's an area, a target area of improvement this year. Uh, and you go back and you look at the numbers and you compare – uh, off the top of my head, I know it was double digits, the amount of points scored per game less in 2017 compared to 2016. But, yeah, you could have called – in fact, I, I think I predicted the Rustin upset last year because Neville – it was going to take time for Neville. They had too many fresh faces, and even though it says Neville on their jersey, I mean, you still have to get some experience and go out there and, and, and put the work in. And eventually you saw them become – a pretty good football team this year i think they're going to take it a step further as that again that offensive line i think they're going to really lean on and look they're losing the quarterfinals they have to go on the road and take on then an undefeated team in lakeshore oh man and a quarterback that yeah. was very very good a very good quarterback so yeah that's kind of fired them up and uh in talking with coach mccarty said that they they didn't have a why they needed a why last year this year they have a why they didn't like the way they got spanked against Lakeshore last year. 888-993-7762. We'll get to your text after the break. Plus, uh, catch up with a former Grambling standout in Aaron's Ace who's trying to make a name for himself in the NFL. The Morning Drive returns after this. couple texts here, uh, Richie. Complaining about an 8-4 and four in a semifinal appearance. They obviously aren't from Caldwell Parish. He said, we're excited if we get the opportunity just to just utter the word playoffs. <laughs> Hey, you had a good year last year. Uh, Russell, the situation with Meyer is that the contract he signed had language that stated he should disclose info he may have knowledge of concerning domestic violence on his staff. Sure. And according to him, he did that. And Richie says, when lying to the media, you may be lying to the public, yet the public doesn't sign your paycheck. The money comes from a small group of rich fans called Boosters. Jake's all in with hard knocks. He watched the first episode last night. Thought it was very entertaining with the Browns. It was. It really was. And, again, the last two seasons were so bad. So, so bad. But last night you had the whole Baker dynamic, him and Tyrod Taylor. Um, just a completely contrast of uh, personalities there. So I asked the question, if there's an area program, college or high school, that you'd like to go behind the scenes and kind of – you know, hear the storylines and see how things play out on an hourly hour basis or perhaps just day-to-day, 
What's the team? What's the program that you'd want to watch? Uh, there are a couple teams that come to mind. Wasman, just because Dean Smith's yeah. going to talk a lot. New Fieldhouse. New Fieldhouse. Leading into that game against Carroll. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. And then, of course, he has to sit out the first four games. Yeah. That's another interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, Union Paris would be good. Yeah. I think Union Paris would be really good. I'd love to hear more Joe Spadafore. Of course. I think Sterlington would be pretty good. I, I think that that coaching staff, they're certainly vocal. they got some characters on that staff. They'd be fun. Yeah. Um, something interesting, too, would be West Washita because – You've got a situation where you're trying to change a culture, mm. kind of like how the dynamic for the Browns is that they went 0-16 last year. But here you've got a, a fiery guy who, you know, his dad was part of the coaching staff that helped bring West Monroe to a national power. So he's trying to do the same at West Washita and just seeing what he has to work with there and the resource. I think that would be interesting. Uh, John says he'd enjoy uh, watching Haynesville, just a traditional power. Plus, you've got some studs yeah. on the defensive line. I feel like we watched Mangum, or at least I hear enough uh, scoop from the inside of the Dragons. Man, how did I, I not Then I wouldn't even that. have to you know, see what Tommy Tharp's doing behind the scenes. Mangum goes straight to the top because I wasn't thinking about them. And, of course, if, if he's listening, he's like, of course you're not thinking about us. Forget <laughs> about us again. No, that would be very interesting just because of his personality. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, look. You could pretty much do anybody, and I would find it compelling to some degree. I think Faraday would have been cool last year with, of course, uh, Darren Dentra, Scott, with the, the attention that they received. And then, you know, they were on such a high level and the pedal stool that they were put on, and then the shocking loss last year to Vidalia, how that would have played out. Yeah, I I got to do some pretty fun stories with, with Faraday back in the day just because – the type of athletes they get and their upbringing's not great for a lot of them. And so you've got some kind of rough individuals, but it's just, they have that pride for Faraday. It's, it's crazy. It, it's just something that you have to kind of experience to really be able to, to express it. I know people are probably listening. Well, everybody has pride for their school. It's just, it's a little different. Mm. It's a little like the, the black and gold. Like when you see the people who come to the sidelines, or to the games, they'll line up on that fence. A lot of times, they'll cuss out the players, mm. and I'm just like, that. I don't, I don't like that part of it. But they take it seriously, man. And they know every single player, and if one guy's messing up, I mean, they'll call him out from everybody. I don't like that side to it, but I think that would be very interesting if you're doing a type of documentary. You know, how much pressure in, in a small town to, to And then there. how it ended last year on the last oh, side Oh, my gracious. Yeah, at home. Yeah. Plus, you got Stanley Smith, a guy yeah. from there who's yeah. coaching them. Uh, another Richwood. I'm still curious how they did it. And then you remember the dynamic last year with the offense. You know, oh, and yeah. the Sterlington rivalry. Yes. Oh, man. That would have been good. Yeah. I, I forgot we were doing a radio show. We were just <laughs> kind of chatting here. <laughs> Uh, better than the Cleveland Browns and Hard Knocks. No, nah, man, I'm telling you, don't sleep on it. It's really good. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to watch it and be like, oh, the Browns are going to be good this year. No, you're going to watch it and go, I like Hugh Jackson. Uh, I, I'm rooting for that guy now. Jarvis Landry is awesome. We already knew that. And the whole Baker thing's interesting, too. All right, a made-for-TV documentary featuring uh, Martez Carter and, of course, his journey to the NFL. How improbable of a storyline is this? 
Mr. Excitement. Mr. Excitement, of course, at Richwood. Remember him uh, playing basketball, certainly some in football. He ineligible for his senior year. He goes over to Wiley College playing hoops over there. They get a new coach, so he basically gets cut. He's at Richwood. He's watching a basketball game. I think he was actually might have been at the Donrin Classic. And uh, he runs into Broderick Fives. Next thing he knows, he's at Grambling and becomes, you know, one of the best players, if not one of the best offensive players in the SWAC. Now he's getting a chance with the Washington Redskins. Very deep, of course, in that uh, running back's room for Washington. But he is getting an opportunity. And by all reports, he's turned a few heads or two. Our former buddy, our former, he's still my buddy, but former uh, Kanoe <laughs> former weekend sports anchor Adam Winkler had a chance to kind of grill Martez on how it's going up there with the Washington Redskins. I actually sat down and just thought to myself, man, no one can take this experience away from me. You know, uh, if I make it, if I don't make it, um, nobody can take this whole process away from me, man. I'm enjoying it. I'm basking in the moment, and I'm just living my best life. So at the end of the day, man, I can honestly say I've been there before. You know, if anybody want to talk, any kids or anybody that look up to me, I can kind of tell those guys what to expect, and maybe they'll have a better chance at, at, at this than I did. But I'm making the best of it, man, and I'm enjoying it. So you met the age requirements. Your clock had already started because you were in eighth grade. You were playing JV ball. So your senior year at Ridgewood, no football. And that's when the two-year break started, right? What, what, year, what year was that? Uh, this was the year 2011 going into 12. Uh, I played no football, no basketball, no sports at all. I just kind of just stayed around the gym, stayed around the football field, and if they needed an extra body, I was that guy to – to kind of give them a look. I was more athletic than everybody, so if the other team had a star on their team, I would put that jersey on and just be the scout guy for that team and, and kind of give those guys a run for their money. So, I mean, I feel like I made myself better just by getting out and being active, and I made the team better as well because I was a tough kid to guard. Did you think there might be a chance you'd never play football again? Um, I did. Um, I was just solely based on basketball. I played one and a half year of football. I played my sophomore year and I quit. And then I came back and played fully my junior year, and I had a great year, and then that was it for me. So I didn't really have a lot of uh, credentials. Like, my portfolio wasn't big, so I had no offers coming out of high school. I had no offers for basketball nor football. So, I mean, all hope was lost, so I just took what I had, which was basketball. When Coach Bob saw you playing for Wiley, and he started talking about you coming back to football, what, what, were, what were the emotions like? What was the, what was the reaction then? Uh, I was excited at first, but then I was like, man, I just want to hoop. Man, I ain't played football in two years. And, like, what would I play? In high school, I played everything. So, like, I didn't know what position I would just mainly stick to. But when he offered that job to me, I just had to – I didn't accept it at that moment. But I went home and I thought to myself, like, man, maybe this is my calling. I will be a small basketball player. And, and footballs to my caliber were on the rise at this point. So I kind of just – took the moment in and just told Coach Fathers, hey, man, I would love it if you gave me the opportunity to play football, and, and I accepted that, and I walked on. Martez Carter, I remember uh, his senior year, he'd literally be the DJ at basketball games. Mm -hmm. And then they would go, you know, in the locker room, and then at halftime, you know, he'd be out there shooting hoops. And you're like, oh, what a talent. You may remember uh, his uh, junior year in hoops. He ended the state championship game that was played at the Thomas Assembly Center with a dunk. He's listed at five foot nine. I don't even know if that's accurate or not. <laughs> no, it's a great story, and it's a great story because these stories typically don't end like this. Mm -hmm. Guys usually don't get that second chance. Mm -hmm. And you see so many talented um, 
guys just not get that opportunity for one reason or another. And then they just have to go on the rest of their life telling people how yeah. good they were in high school. And they have to believe it. Now he gets to show it on a national stage. Pretty cool. There's another tie-in, of course, with Doug Williams and the Washington Redskins. He's one of the head honchos up there. He's calling a lot of his shots. So a lot of people think, well, perhaps uh, Doug did a favor for Grambling. He says that is far from being the case. That's not how we work it. <laughs> Everything is, is about film, whatever you see on tape. And uh, Montez Carter put stuff on tape over the last couple of three years. And uh, we go by what uh, what a player has done, no matter what school he's from. But, you know, being from HBCU, it's, it's a good thing. But I think Montez Carter deserved to be here, if not here, somewhere else. So when we talk about free agency, you know, we, we talk about guys that we have seen, that we had on the board as draftable. Montez was, was a draftable guy. So we had him in that draftable category. So it wasn't like, say, hey, guys, I need this favor. It ain't about a favor because we're trying to win. You try to get the best guys that you think come in this camp and, and, and do well for themselves and show up and, and let us know that they deserve to be here. He says that obviously, you know, you being the VP of player personnel, you're this larger-than-life figure. You're always at practice, though, and he knows that you are in his quarter, whether it's saying, hey, high and tight, or, or maybe just telling some grappling stories. Do you know how comforting that is for a guy like that, especially whose head is probably spinning 100 miles an hour? Oh, no, no. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him all. I'm pulling for, for a Darius Geis, you know. But at the same time, I let him know when things are not going well and, and, and what I think. But, you know, I'm not the coach. I just give him my two cents and uh, let him go from there. But uh, I'm always staying in this corner. You know, we both went to the same uh, institution. Uh, he's from Louisiana. I've known him a long time. Even when I coached, I knew him. So, Quite natural, I'm a bullfighter. And the final question about him: How rare is it that, I mean, he was at Richwood High, couldn't play his senior year, took two years off, went and played ball, coached Fobbs with those Grambling ties, found and brought him back to football. You've seen a lot of unique stories in your day. That's one of the one of the more unique ones, right? Well, you know, you had to know who the guy was because uh, even uh, my last year at Grambling, we was at Richwood at a basketball game, and you know, we would have loved to have had him, but uh, he wasn't eligible. But what he did at halftime, he put on a halftime show from a standpoint of dunking and turning flips and out there on the floor. And you look at this guy and you realize the athlete that, that he is. And uh, for him to go off for two years and then come back, I think that's a, that's a story in itself. Good stuff there from uh, Doug Williams. Of course, Martez, uh, 30 rushing touchdowns with the Tigers, had another nine touchdown receptions. With all that said, it's still going to be tough. For him to make this real quad because you throw in Darius guys, you throw in Thompson, P. Ryan, uh, they're pretty loaded at running back. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be tough. Also with the Washington Redskins, you have Tim Sims from Washita trying to uh, make that roster. Here's just a little bit from Martez, how cool that is. Of course, two guys from Northeast Louisiana fighting for roster spots with the Skins. Oh man, it's, it's exciting for our hometown as well as me and Cam. It's exciting for us too. Anytime we go home and, and we link up and want to work out, it's a great turnout. We have kids from all different high schools that set aside their differences and, and still come out and work. And, and, and just even flying here, every time we get ready to fly here, we always meet and always on the same flight. So that's just a, a, a ball of emotions that we can carry with us. And, and, and we look out for each other here. Cam's doing a great job and I'm, I'm getting on the train of of excelling as well. So, I mean, it's great for us and it's great for the hometown. So, I mean, I feel like like it's, it's, it's exciting, man. It's really exciting. Of course, that's what these preseason games are about. It's about Martez Carter and uh, Cam Sims, and we're going to have a lot of guys to keep track of 
is really the preseason kicks off in full earnest uh, coming Thursday night with, of course, uh, the Saints versus Jacksonville. Yes, can't wait. Um, Redskins have uh, the Patriots Thursday night also. Hmm. Quint says Aaron needs to be like OBJ. He needs to get a diamond-encrusted profile of Guy Ferrari on his tooth. <laughs> what do you think about that, Aaron? Yeah. Did, do those uh, comparisons ever annoy you? Uh, no, not really. Can I poke the bear yeah, a little sure. bit? It doesn't annoy me. No? Could be called worse things. Mm, could you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll stop. Uh, party shots coming up after the break on the morning drive. Uh, one person weighing in says, no, I do not look like the guy from Guy, the Food Network. Guy Fiore. Uh Matt says Guy Ferrari has better hair. Yeah. Got more money too. <laughs> let me let me tell you this. I I just asked I'll break. I just asked Aaron. I said, you know, it'd be interesting is if we did a top ten sports centric TV show episodes, yeah. like when friends played football. And my response was, No, I don't want to do that. That'll make me think too much. <laughs> Sorry to make you think, Aaron. We'll, we'll try to do less of that. Well, there'd be a, a Seinfeld uh, episode or two. The tennis. Well, that. Uh, George when, with the Yankees, I mean. Yeah, but I was thinking about Kramer as the ball boy. Oh, yes. That would be that great. Yes. Uh, Kramer enthusiasm, some golf scenes yeah. that they had. Like I said, have to think a lot. No, nah, not really. It's kind of fun. What are we doing tomorrow for Top 10 Thursday? We're doing Top 10, top 10 sports uh, events that happened before the social media era. Okay. So – how social media would have impacted, how would it have made it greater? Or what, what would have shut down social media, basically? Top 10 sports moments. So social media got I don't know. in the heyday in the last eight years? <sighs> ten years? Uh, ten, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Don't want to give away our rankings, but just off the top of the head, uh, O.J. Simpson. That's probably number the one. Police chase, the police it. chase during yeah. the day. What's well, going to be that? Tyson uh, biting off. Holyfield's By the way, ear. I you thought that that was the parachute yeah, moment. Yeah, I thought it was the parachute. It moment. was another Avenger Holyfield hmm. boxing match. I had to refresh Jake's memory a little bit on how that. Yeah, just a parachute guy just coming in. Yeah. Just trying to get a view trying of the to fight. Get, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, I can think of quite a few. Now, the question is ranking it. Like, for instance. To me, this probably wouldn't even be in your top ten, but I think Shaq, Kobe, if that was the social media era, as much as they went at each other in, in the media, mm. could you imagine, like, every day, oh, I can't wait to see what Shaq said about Kobe, mm. or oh, I can't wait to see what Kobe said about Shaq. I think that would be, like, really messy, but really great in today's world. Yes, but there's got to be one defining moment where you just know oh, you dude, looked there's... on social media, you looked on Twitter at that moment, and it just would be blowing up. Yeah, but there. I'm just saying. I think you can find a place for that whole saga. I mean, it went it went on for years, but there were moments in there where he's like, "Man, I can't believe he just said that." Mm. Like when Kobe said he was like fat and out of shape. Magic Johnson's uh, announcement for HIV. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember being in college and sitting around and just watching that unfold and like, wow. Yeah. Speechless. Yeah. Yeah. Surreal. Um, the malice at the palace, yeah. you know, what's going to be, I, we, we mentioned that. Jake, yesterday. Don't give up all your good stuff before. Tomorrow. Oh, I've still got a lot of good ones, <laughs> but yeah, we'll get, we'll get to it. A lot of people weighing in. Sam says the miracle on ice, Sam, uh, 89 world series. 
1980 Olympic hockey, of course. 89 World Series is a good one. Yeah, that would have been crazy. That leads to our parting shots. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Minnesota! Well, I'm going to tell you what, Channel 8, they've been packed it in, too. They didn't get any of this on camera. We got it. Oh, my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back! Oh, no! Oh, Oh, my God! Oh, my gosh, no! I have lost my voice in excitement! I'm sick. I want to throw up. That's like the the classic farting shot. Yeah. I think I that's like the that. one that's played the most. I, I think it may be one of the better ones. Yeah, it's pretty good. I know you're all in with the NFL preseason football. You're looking at the slate of games on Thursday. Got a number of them. I think we got a double header actually on the NFL network, and it features your Cleveland Browns. <laughs> so now they're my team because yeah. I liked Hard Knocks. And you like Hugh Jackson. Uh, they're squaring off against the Giants. Okay, I'll I'll accept. Dude, the if you got a major problem, this is it. Uh, the Giants are a one point favorite against the. <laughs> I don't have that big of a problem. <laughs> Sorry. Should we get the teller on to do a NFL picks preseason? Yes. Any reason we can come up with to get him on? Any guess on the Saints and the Jags? What the line is? Six o'clock oh, kickoff I on have Thursday. No idea. I'll say. How could you gamble on this? No, you couldn't. You really couldn't, unless. No. Breeze plays two series? No, you couldn't. I, I say Jacksonville just because. How could you make an argument? Because they're at home? I guess. What What is it? Two and a half. For Jacksonville? Yeah, yeah. Jacksonville's There favorite. you go. Not surprised. Mm. Anyway, I think. Uh, I mentioned the doubleheader with the. Uh, Patriots. Patriots, uh, the, the, the Browns and the Giants, and then followed up. At 9 o'clock our time, got the Cowboys versus the 49ers. Mm. That's watchable just because Xavier Woods versus Trent Taylor. Yeah, um, I think. San Fran favored by three and a half. Well, we're going over lines with preseason. (laughs) Come on. I think it's comical, man. Well, I think I'll accept the Browns as my second team this year. How about that? Mm -hmm. Secondary team, Cleveland Browns. Because they got Baker. I like Hugh Jackson more now after watching Hard Knocks. Would you go buy a Baker Mayfield jersey or Jarvis Landry jersey? First of all, I don't wear jerseys, so I don't buy jerseys. Secondly, um, probably probably Jarvis. Yeah. Jarvis follows me on Twitter, by the way. Really? Yeah. Nice. That's my claim to fame. That's the one thing I've got. What do we got going on tomorrow? Top 10 Thursday, our high school football previews will continue. Mm -hmm. Hey, M-I-I-A-I-S. Hold on, say that one more time. M-A-I-S. I've never got used to it. It should always be M-P-S-I. Is it what? M-P-S-A-A. Yeah. (laughs) You never got used to any of it. Yeah, no disrespect to (laughs) M-A-I-S, football. But uh, they got a jamboree taking place this weekend out at ULM. Yeah, they do. Our buddy Boyd Cole. You really sold it, too. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Yeah. We'll have him on to preview that. Lord help us. We need to land this plane. And then, of course, uh, the Saints preseason game. Uh, several things you should look for tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. So, But top ten Thursday, I'm excited about it. We'll have some, some good stuff there. Boy, we really finished strong this morning. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, well. We'll try to do better tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Drive. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.